We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome into the LakersNation.com podcast. I'm Trevor Lane. We've got a ton of Lakers basketball to talk about today. We've got fresh updates on the trade front. Are the Lakers finally going to pull the trigger on a Russell Westbrook deal, or are we going to be waiting for a while longer? We'll talk a bit about that, as well as some of the possibilities that could be out there. I want to also talk about the backlash to the Russell Westbrook backlash, which is a bit odd, and I'll get into why that's going on. I've also got a lot of questions that have been submitted by Lakers fans that I want to dive into. That's going to allow me to touch upon a number of different topics today. We had so many super chats from our last live show, which was the Lakers versus Blazers postgame show. Lakers fans obviously not happy and with good reason over what happened there. The Lakers players were not happy. Again, they should not be based on what happened, giving that game away to the Portland Trailblazers remaining winless in this NBA season so far. So we want to get into those, going to touch upon a lot of topics through that. If you guys want to find me on social media, you can find me at Trevor underscore Lane on Twitter, at Trevor Lane NBA over on Instagram and Facebook. And if you want to check out some of my written work on the NBA in general and the sports world as well, you can find that trevorlane.substack.com. You can sign up for a free subscription, get everything delivered directly to your inbox, or if you want to do a paid subscription, I won't fault you for that either. But let's get into our first topic of the day, and that is the Lakers trade front. So yesterday, Shams Trania had a piece that came out that explained that the Lakers are still looking at waiting 20, and then he threw out the possibility of 25 games. We had heard previously that they were going to wait about 20 games before really exploring the trade market and coming up with a deal. Shams Trania says 20 to 25. We're talking post-Thanksgiving, essentially, that the Lakers are really going to start digging into a trade. They want to find out exactly what they've got. They also want to see the trade market develop. A lot of teams around the NBA, as Shams noted, are not really ready to make a deal at this moment. They got to let the dust settle. They have to see exactly what they have as a team, what they don't have, where they are in the standings. Are they going to be tanking? Are they going to go for it? What are they going to do? All of that takes games played to happen. Also have to remember that the more games we get into the season, the more of Russell Westbrook's contract the Lakers have paid, which might make it easier for an opposing team to trade for him, knowing that a good chunk of his contract has already been paid. Because let's face it, most teams, look, maybe it changes, but most teams right now, in fact, I think it's pretty safe to say all teams, if they traded for Russell Westbrook, they would not do it to put him on the floor. They would be trading for him simply as an expiring contract. We were hoping going into the season that that dynamic might change. And maybe Russell Westbrook, he would find success with Darvin Ham, enough success adjusting his game to where other teams around the NBA would say, you know what? Maybe we can get this guy to fit in. Maybe this really could work for us and we can put him on the floor. Does not look like that's going to happen based on where things are at right now. Russell Westbrook currently shooting 28% from the field and 8, 8% from three. I made that deal on the live show weeks ago. We talked about there were a bunch of Russ stands who were chiming in saying, look at Russ's last 10 games of last season. He was shooting 38% from three. Everything's going to be just fine this season. Just have to give him a chance. He's at 8% right now. I made that deal with those stands. I said, hey, if Russ is shooting better than 38% from three, 10 games into the season, I will buy a Russell Westbrook jersey. I will wear it on the show. I'm feeling pretty safe in that bet right now. And I don't feel good about that. I want good things for Russell Westbrook, and that's going to lead to good things for the Lakers. I want him to play well, but it just hasn't happened 
at this point. And it's not all his fault. I'm going to dive into that in just a moment. But Shams did reveal that the Lakers continue to have interest in Terry Rozier from the Charlotte Hornets, calling up our old friend Mitch Kupchak, former Lakers GM, who is now the GM of the Charlotte Hornets. Some interest in getting a deal done there. So let's say they go bring in Terry Rozier. Career three-point shooter, pretty solid, 37 38% right in there. Not not like a knockdown sniper or something like that. He's not, you know, in that rarefied air of 40 plus percent or anything, but he's good. He's good. He's on this team. He'd be fantastic. The Lakers right now have been awful. And that's another thing I need to talk about their three point shooting. But uh, Terry Rozier would fit in that regard. I also like that Terry Rozier, he's got experience playing with Lamella ball. And the reason why that's important is because Terry Rozier is very comfortable playing on or off the ball. He can do either one of those things. And that's really important. I mean, look at how uncomfortable Russell Westbrook has been when he's been asked to play off the ball. He's just, it's not what he is as a basketball player. Terry Rogier has no problems with that. That is a, a very easy thing for him to do at this point because he's been doing it for so long. So he can play on ball when, say, LeBron is off the court. You can give him the ball and you can say, here you go. You're a point guard. Do your thing. You can also say, Terry, LeBron's going to have the ball now, but we need you as a spot-up shooter, so you're going to be over here, and then you're going to be making plays as a secondary attacker. He can do those things. Now, in a vacuum, do the Lakers need another guard, really? Eh, they probably need more wings, but guess what? The Hornets also offer those. Maybe you can get a Gordon Hayward into the mix. Maybe you can get uh, somebody like Kelly Oubre Jr. into the mix in a deal with the Charlotte Hornets. Maybe P.J. Washington. You've got some bigger wing players that can you can perhaps get in there. And I also think what's interesting about a Charlotte Hornets deal in particular, if this is the path they go down, and again, we're probably talking about after Thanksgiving, the Hornets are going to want to see how things shake out as well as far as their season goes. But what's really interesting about this is that Terry Rozier has four years and $100 million left on his deal. Just shy of $100 million left on his deal. That's a lot. That's a lot of salary you're taking off of the Hornets' books. Now, that may not matter as much now that the Miles Bridges situation is what it is and the Hornets aren't going to be looking to pay him anytime soon. But there was a point over the summer where the Hornets were going to have to pay Miles Bridges and money was going to be getting a little bit tight and the Lakers being able to absorb that much salary was going to be a very big positive in any kind of a deal. But the Lakers still can absorb a lot of money. Uh, take on long-term salary, and perhaps this is a way to not include all of your draft assets. See, here's the problem for the Lakers, is that of the deals that we've heard that are out there, you know, we're talking about Miles Turner and Buddy Heald, which almost got done, was so close to getting done right before media day. You want to talk about the, the Spurs deals that are out there. Um, Josh Richardson, we'll talk about in a moment. Yaka uh, Pertle maybe gets involved. Maybe it's Doug McDermott. These types of players, these are fine players, but it's hard to say with certainty that, hey, this move is going to put us over the top. This move is going to make the Lakers a contender. And so if you're the Lakers in this situation, if you can find a path to only giving up one first, which is what they've been trying to do, that preserves one of them for the next move. Because there's a decent chance if you do this, you go get Terry Rogier and Kelly Oubre Jr. or something like that. Uh, maybe Gordon Hayward's in the mix. You can't say for sure that you're not going to need to do another move. You can't say for sure that that's it. LeBron and AD, their team is set now for the next two, three years, however long we have with LeBron and AD, they're going to be contending now because we made this move. You can't really say that. But if you can preserve one pick, then that gives you a little bit, not a lot, but a little bit of flexibility moving forward to make another move. I think that's important. And that's part of why we haven't seen any of these deals get done yet is because the Lakers don't want to find themselves really stuck. They know they messed up with the Russell Westbrook trade. They know that the cost to undo that trade, it's going to be expensive. But they also know that if they mess up on this one, if they make a mistake trading away Russ, they could make this worse and put themselves in a situation where they truly can't get out of it. That's where they have to be very careful with this Russell Westbrook trade. And I think that's why it still hasn't happened yet. But... I am interested in this Hornets deal. I think it could be something good if it does come together again. This is all hypothetical at this point because who knows if the Hornets are even going to decide that they want to move on from Terry Rozier. I think all of that kind of has to come together over the next few weeks, maybe month or so before we can really start to find anything concrete regarding that. But in any event, the Lakers interested in Terry Rozier, also interested 
in Josh Richardson from the San Antonio Spurs, 6'5 wing, shoots well from three, can defend multiple positions. Check, check. Those are the two important boxes that you have to check if you are the Lakers. Maybe Doug McDermott gets involved. Maybe Jakob Pertl, something like that. Um, the Spurs also have cap space to where they can absorb some salary. Maybe you find a trade exception there, something of that nature. But all of these deals we're going to hear more about, I'm assuming, as we get further along. The big question is, can the Lakers really afford to wait 20 games, 25 games? Man, it sure doesn't feel like it right now in this moment. It sure doesn't feel like it. It feels like this team needs help and needs help immediately, particularly when you look at how good they're defending. They rate out as one of the best defensive teams in the NBA and yet they're still 0-3. That just goes a long way to tell you how bad the offense has been and that perhaps a Russell Westbrook trade is needed, not necessarily because Russ is their number one problem. No, I think the shooting is their number one problem right now. Uh, I'll get into that in a bit. But the shooting is their number one problem, but the solution to that problem might come via a Russell Westbrook trade. So something we're going to have to keep an eye on. Uh, We do need to talk about the Russ... Backlash, backlash. The backlash to the Russell Westbrook backlash. Because we've seen it, look, all over social media. Russ is getting torched. Torn to shreds all over social media. He shot the ball. By this time you've seen it. He shot, all he can do is laugh to, to stop from crying. He shot the ball with 18 seconds left on the clock. 30 seconds left in the game and the Lakers up by one. 18 seconds left on the shot clock. You could have ground down the clock to, what, about 10 seconds or so by the time you secure a rebound if you're if you're the Blazers. You could have wasted most of the game away and tried to find a better shot. Instead, Russ decided in that moment, let's go two for one. And let's go two for one with a shot that the opposing team is going to celebrate me taking. Opposing teams are specifically game planning to try to bait Russell Westbrook into taking mid-range jumpers and above-the-break threes. Teams are trying to tempt him to take those shots. When he took that shot, you could see it. You watched the Blazers bench. They were celebrating the moment he took that shot. Because whether or not that goes in, you know, if you're an opposing team, you know you are winning that possession, right? That is a winning proposition. Now, again, the the shot goes in. Okay, it goes in. But if you get him to do that enough times over the course of a game, that's going to help you win basketball games. So Russell Westbrook takes that shot and, of course, draws the immediate ire of Lakers fans. Now, is it Russ's fault the Lakers lost? That moment looms large, right? Russ, when he makes mistakes, they tend to be loud mistakes. We talked a a lot about this last year. That moment looms large. But there were a lot of other things that happened. LeBron airballed a three. Anthony Davis picked up a fifth foul. I hated the call. Damian Lillard just running into him. But Anthony Davis picks up a fifth foul, doesn't defend the same way in the paint, right? If AD had four fouls instead of five, that probably changes the outcome of the game. LeBron knocks in a three or so, changes the outcome of the game. Also, when I look big picture, the Lakers are 0-3. Are they 0-3 because of Russell Westbrook? Yes and no. Yes, in that he's shooting 8% from three, but no, in that the team is shooting 21% from three. He's part of that. Don't get me wrong. He's part of that. But the team's three-point shooting, in my mind, is the number one reason why they are where they are. And it's basic math. It's basic math. Look, the Lakers are shooting horrifically from three. And here's what's happening. Here's what's actually happening right now. Because when this gets brought up, their three-point shooting gets brought up. The problem is that a lot of fans, the response is, well, we knew they weren't a good three-point shooting team. So that's that's not an excuse. That's not a reason why they're losing these games. We knew they would be bad. It must be something else. But what people are failing to comprehend is that they aren't just bad. They are horrifically, historically awful, 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 putrid stuff from behind the three-point line. 21% for context The Oklahoma City Thunder last year were the league's worst three-point shooting team. They shot 32%. I've said this before, but look, if the Lakers this season were the worst three-point shooting team in the NBA from last season, I am not saying if the Lakers were a good three-point shooting team. I'm saying if they were the worst three-point shooting team in the NBA based on last season's numbers, they would be 2-1 and right now. If they shot 
32% from three, just do the math, they would have relatively easy wins over the Clippers and the Blazers, and they'd be two and one on the season. Think about that. That's how poorly they're shooting. They've got one of the best defenses in the NBA statistically, and their three-point shot has been so bad that it's causing them to lose these games. Even with Russell Westbrook making these kinds of mistakes and not being a great fit and the whole situation being awkward. They've been trying to trade him all summer. The vibes around Russ are not going to be positive. But even with all of that, they would be 2-1 and one right now if they weren't a complete dumpster fire from behind the three-point line. What we're seeing is not just bad shooting. What we're seeing is insanely historically bad shooting. And again, you can't just point to, well, they don't have that many shooters on the roster, so you would expect this. No, actually, when you crunch all the numbers, you would expect this team to be floating somewhere around 33% from three because that's what historically all of the players on this team have shot. If you add it all up, you do all the math, they would be shooting about 33% from three. Instead, they're shooting 21%. Yeah, that would suggest that there's going to be progression to the mean coming. I've said it before. People roll their eyes. But unless you believe that this team is truly, historically, by far, the worst three-point shooting team that has been assembled in the last 20 years, I went back and looked, and in the last 20 years, the worst three-point shooting team shot about 29-ish percent off the top of my head. So by a long shot, historically, the worst three-point shooting team in the NBA, if that's what you believe the Lakers are, then okay, so be it. Then I guess then I guess you just don't assume that they're going to get any better. I think they will get better from behind the arc, but they still need more. They still need more, and the Russell Westbrook trade may be the path to getting that. But we're seeing a lot of former players, current players too, stick up for Russell Westbrook. Um, speak out against kind of the Russ backlash. We're seeing a lot of this take place. Like Paul George, who famously fled Russell Westbrook in OKC demanded to trade to the Clippers so he could get away from this partnership with Russell Westbrook. Now, to be fair, Russ was trying to get out of OKC as well. I think Paul George just kind of one up them, beat him to the punch on that. But Paul George stuck up for Russ. Said, look, wasn't that long ago Russ was a 30-10-10 and 10 guy. So we got to you got to remember that this team, the Lakers, they aren't built around him. That if, you, if he's given the keys, he can be that guy. So Paul George said, you've got today or yesterday – you had Jamal Crawford and Isaiah Thomas, Seattle guys teaming up and bemoaning the fact that Russell Westbrook was being made a scapegoat, right? We saw that. Uh, we saw Jamal Crawford talk about how everybody's blaming it all on Russell Westbrook. Uh, Jared Sullinger, former player, said similar things, said it's not even about basketball anymore. They're wrong. Just plain and simple. They're wrong. And the reason for that, the reason why they are wrong, in Sullinger's case, it's because it's 100% about basketball. 100%. It is zero to do with Russell Westbrook, the person. None of this is personal when you see this backlash. Now, I will say this. Have things gone too far with the animosity towards Russell Westbrook? Yeah. He doesn't need fans shouting stuff at him in the arena when he's walking down through the tunnel. You don't need fans confronting him, telling him how terrible he's shooting. He knows how terrible he's shooting. You think that feels good? No, he's not trying to miss these shots. He's not going out there trying to throw up bricks. His career's on the line. Let's face it. If Russell Westbrook is the version of Russ that we've seen for the past three days, three games, what's going to happen when he hits the free agent market? Let's say he gets traded to Indiana. Indiana buys him out. How many teams are going to rush to sign him? Not many. What's going to happen next summer when his $47 million contract runs out? Russ has no incentive to tank this right now and do these things on purpose. I know the hamstring thing has got some people a little bit upset with him, frustrated, questioning his motives, all that. But Russ isn't trying to shoot poorly. And to his credit, he's done better on the defensive end of the floor. He's picked it up there. Probably better than we've seen in recent years. He's made plays. Got the steals against Kawhi Leonard. Putting in the effort there, which is what Darvin Ham asked. I really think he is trying. I just think he doesn't have it anymore. When Paul George talks about 30, 10, and 10, that Russell Westbrook doesn't exist. Because guess what? 
That Russell Westbrook, the 30-10-10 and 10 Russell Westbrook, oh, I, I would dare a team back then to defend him with Evita Zubats or defend him with Yusuf Nurkic. A big that isn't known for switching onto guards, a big that's known for being heavy-footed, for not being very quick. Russell Westbrook would have taken that opportunity, which is what the Blazers did. It's what the Clippers did to him. He would have taken that opportunity and eviscerated those guys. Wouldn't have been close. Case in point, like imagine, just imagine the Clippers or the Blazers daring to do that right now to John Moran. What would happen? It would be a bloodbath. John would destroy those guys. You would never do that. You don't even want to put those guys in situations where they have to switch temporarily onto a guard. They're not quick enough to do it. And yet the Clippers and the Blazers do it without fear and actually find success doing it to Russell Westbrook. He doesn't quite have the burst that he used to. Now, maybe the hamstring issue is still lingering. And so maybe that's taken away some of his burst. I'll just throw that out there as a possibility. But he's not the same guy. And maybe that's part of why we're seeing these former athletes and these former uh, these former players and current players speak up in Russ's defense. There's sympathy there, right? We all go through the same thing at some point. Everybody hits a point where they can't do what they used to be able to do. And so you sympathize with Russell Westbrook. Hell, I sympathize with with Russell Westbrook. I've, I've hit that point. Where my, I mean, look, let's face it. I can't jump as high as I used to. Not that I was ever a professional athlete. I can't run as fast as I used to or do any of those kinds of things. You hit a point where your body can't do that anymore. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And for players who are giving it their all and are trying and are doing what they can, you have to feel some sympathy. And then you look at the situation Russ is in. He's on a team that's been trying to trade him since last summer. Entire summer, they've been trying to trade him. A lot of blame is being placed on him. And we have to remember, it's not just him, it's his contract. That gets wrapped up into the frustration of Lakers fans, right? That his contract being so large, he's not living up to the contract. He's also not allowing the team to make the moves they need to make because that contract is so large. Why does the roster look the way it does? Because they've got Russell Westbrook's $47 million contract on the books. That's not his fault. That's not his fault. The Lakers made this, the Lakers did this to themselves. They made the choice to sign him, knowing what the risks would be if it didn't work, that it was going to be hard to undo that. And here we are. So that's not all on Russell Westbrook. So I'm going to agree with the former players, and Charles Barkley said the same thing. I'm going to agree with them in that sense. But I don't agree that you can look at this and say, poor Russ, he's the victim here. Can you feel sympathy? Yeah, of course. Of course, you can feel sympathy towards Russell Westbrook. Ideally, this is not what we want to see. But Russ is part of this. There's plenty of blame to go around, and some of it belongs to Russ. He sat down with LeBron. He sat down with AD. They talked about ways that this could work, about how everything was going to fit together, and it hasn't. It hasn't at all. So there's blame there for Russ. There's blame there for AD. There's blame for LeBron. There's blame for the front office, for Rob Palenka, for Jeannie, for everybody involved. Everybody deserves some blame here. So when I see this backlash to the Russell Westbrook backlash, I don't like this idea that it's removing Russell Westbrook from the equation, that it's removing 
him from any kind of responsibility or blame for the situation. Remember, if this was all so bad, it was bad last season. This was all so terrible. How tough it is to be a Laker. He had a player option. He could have opted for free agency. Now he didn't. And nobody would. $47 million. He's not getting that anywhere else. Of course, he's going to pick up that option. But he picked up that option knowing that if things continue to get poorly, it could get bad quickly. And the Lakers didn't pull the trigger on a trade this summer, knowing that if things went bad, it would get really bad and really awkward for them and Russell Westbrook. And here we are. So I understand feeling sympathetic for Russ. Long-winded way of saying that. I understand feeling sympathy towards him. But to suggest that Lakers fans are simply out to get Russell Westbrook, that it's not about basketball anymore, that if Russell Westbrook had just been given the keys to the roster, that if the team was built around Russ, he'd be a 30-10-10 guy again. That Russ is being blamed for everything. It's just not accurate. Look, I've yet to see a basketball analyst who have said, this is all Russ's fault. Are there some fans out there saying that? Probably, probably. But I've yet to see a basketball analyst say, no, the shooting, the historically bad shooting is nothing. This is all on Russ. I don't think that's happening. But yet that's what it's being presented as. That's the only problem I've got with that. That's the problem. All right, let's get into some of the fan questions and comments that were coming in. Lots to talk about, actually. And again, keep in mind, these are coming in right after the Lakers' loss to the Portland Trailblazers. And uh, there's going to be a lot of frustration in here. But it's also going to allow us to springboard into a lot of different topics. So Andrew Muth said, this is unbelievable. It's time to trade LeBron and AD. If the team isn't interested in winning championships, they're being wasted on this roster. That's the argument, right? Trade the picks because otherwise you're wasting LeBron. And now you're wasting AD. AD was fantastic against the Blazers. What do you have, six blocks? And yet that's still not enough to get wins right now because of a number of things, because of the shooting, because of the roster construction. And look, LeBron and AD, again, there's plenty of blame for them. They missed shots from three, right? We saw that happen. We saw uh, we saw Yusuf Nurkic turn his back on Anthony Davis when he was shooting a three. Got to knock down your shots. But... Are you wasting this season for these players if you don't go out there and get a move done? And that's that's the urgency for the Lakers. But the other teams also know that. And that's part of why the Lakers have a hard time finding a good deal here. Because that urgency is there. Because teams know the Lakers don't want to waste a season of LeBron. So I know that fans will look at this and say, well, just blow it up, trade LeBron and AD. You can't really do that if you're the Lakers. You have a pick this year but there's a pick swap. So let's say you blow it up. You trade LeBron, you trade AD. You just got LeBron to sign an extension, by the way. So you're not going to trade him away. You just got him to commit two more years. You're not going to trade him away three games into that commitment. But even if you did go down that path, you don't have your pick necessarily. You get the number one pick, cool. You just gave it to the Pelicans. It doesn't help you. The Lakers are going to do what they can to try to build with these guys I think that's why they have to hit a home run with this Russell Westbrook trade, get the pieces in here that they need in order to find success. Because so far, the defense has been at the level they've needed it to. So far, check that box. Darvin Ham has gotten this team to play defense at a level that can get things done. Now they just need to hit a damn shot. Jesus said, I hate to say this, but I have a feeling that there's going to be more games like this. You need to have more of a sense of urgency in what you take in practice and make sure that it translates on game day and not make errors late. I don't know if it was a lack of urgency. We did see the Lakers try to burn clock in the game, and I think that kind of disrupted their offense as well as subbing Russ back in. Look, Darvin Ham's got blame here too. Should have never subbed Russ back into that game. He keeps saying facts over feelings, sub Russ out late. I, I'm curious to see what happens against Denver on Wednesday. Does Russ get back into the game in the fourth quarter? The answer very clearly should be no. Um, you don't finish your game with him out there, given the way that he's playing right now, the way that he's shooting. You are literally playing four on five on the offensive end. You've got four guys and you're going up against five defenders because Russ's defender does not care one bit about him being on the floor. So you can't do that. Um, I don't know if that is sense of urgency here. That's the problem. I think they do feel urgency. I think we saw the frustration from LeBron and AD 
after the game in their in their post-game pressers. But I think that these errors that they made were more uh, a result of the shooting issues. It was more a result of the decision to put Russell Westbrook back in the game when uh, he simply shouldn't have been. I hope there's not more games like this because, again, this this team, I guess here's my fear. They're playing so well and so hard on the defensive end of the floor. If you don't get rewarded for that, that effort level starts to wane. Because why keep playing that hard if it's not making a difference? That's not what you want. You want this team to get rewarded for playing defense at the level that they are. And the only way that comes is via wins. Andrew again says, trade LeBron and AD. Again, went over that. Uh, Red says, 32 seconds left. Why would you take that jumper? Agreed. Yeah, that's not a shot that you should take. Uh, Somebody pulled a stat on this, and I don't recall who it was, but said, Russ is the only player in the last four years to take a shot in that situation, to take a pull-up jumper in that situation. With time on the clock, up one, you've got one possession left to go for the two-for-one and take a pull-up jumper to do that. Literally, just about anything else he could have done would have been the preferred option. Giving the ball to any other player on the floor would have yielded a higher likelihood of of a positive result of scoring because Russ on a pull-up jumper is a terrible look that you don't you don't want that at any point in the game. There's no point. That, the only reason why, and I've said this a bunch, it sounds infantile, but Russell Westbrook, there there needs to be a very hard rule here that. Unless the shot clock is winding down, there's five seconds, four seconds left on the clock. He's not allowed to take a jumper. He's not allowed to take above the break threes. He's not allowed to take a 16 footer, 17 footer, whatever you want to call it. The only time he can shoot is at the rim and corner threes. That's it. That's it. And I know, look, defenses would catch on to that. It's easy to say that in practice, but, but it's, it's a waste of possession when you allow him to shoot those shots and even worse, a lot of times those create long rebounds. It's a shot turnover. It becomes like a live ball turnover for opponents and it is igniting their offense. You simply can't have him taking that shot at any point. You definitely can't have him taking that shot given the scenario that we saw against the Blazers. But again, not all on right. If the Lakers just shot halfway decent, if they, if they shot poorly, they, they would be up double digits against the Blazers at that point, and Russ would not be in that situation. Wise one said, trade Westbrook and a first to uh, for Buddy. So now did, let's say you do that, because that's actually been discussed. We've heard that iteration of a trade. That would involve the Lakers getting either Buddy Heald or Miles Turner by themselves, just that player. And then what happens is, because there's such a big discrepancy between Russell Westbrook's $47 million and Buddy Heald's, what would it be, 18 to 20 million right in there off the top of my head. You've got Miles Turner at about 18 million. Let's say it's 20 million, just to make the math easy. You would generate a $27 million trade exception. The Pacers would be eating that extra salary. So you would be getting the player plus a large trade exception to go do something else. Um, now, the assumption here is that if you're, allow- if you're allowing the Pacers to, in this scenario, keep Miles Turner, that a first, a second first would not need to be part of the deal. I don't know if that's the case because to the Pacers, they are still absorbing all of that money from Russell Westbrook. Sure, they're hanging on to Miles Turner or whatever, but their salaries continue to go up. Um, That is, I I can't say for sure that the Pacers would do that, but he's saying wave Wendy Gabriel and pick up Mo Harkless at that point and off you go. So just get buddy. Then you have a huge trade exception, $27 million. You still have a first rounder left. And you've traded away Russell Westbrook and you've brought in some shooting in Buddy Heald. It's an interesting idea. Uh, You're bringing in Mo Harkless to help you out on the wings. Do I think this would make the Lakers better? Yes, but another trade would have to come. You'd have to use that trade exception in the remaining first to go add talent. Uh, Jarrett said, we're a Russell Westbrook trade away to get a championship. Now, Jarrett, look, that's extremely optimistic. And right now, honestly, I, I, I keep kind of applauded, I suppose, because there is so much negativity out there about the Lakers right now, but a Russell Westbrook trade away to get a championship. I don't know. Uh, I I can't get there just yet. It would depend on what exactly that trade looks like, I suppose. Maddie James, have you guys seen the Redeem Team documentary thoughts? Uh, Yeah, saw it. Uh, It was fantastic. Really, really enjoyed it. Uh, It was great. 
And uh, yeah, I mean, just, I loved how much on the court action they showed, which I thought was one of the shortcomings of legacy. It felt like they had fast forwarded through and I, legacy was great, but it felt like they kind of skipped through a lot of the on court stuff, which I get that wasn't really the focal point, but still I was sitting there in the moment kind of yelling at my TV. No, I want to see more of them winning this championship. I want to see more of what was taking place on the floor. Uh, redeem team uh, goes against that. You redeem team gives you a lot of that on-court footage and what was happening there and, and how they won these games. It was very cool to watch. So definitely enjoyed it. Uh, first code the, said, the non-Rust minutes are so good, send him home. So I wanted to address this. I've had a lot of people saying, well, if you're not going to trade Russ yet, send him home. Just send him, just be rid of him, banish him from the team, John Wall him, if you will. Send him home. And I don't know if I can completely get there just yet. I think the Lakers could use another ball handler on their roster right now, as long as Dennis Schroeder is out. Um, I think that your next step here, in terms of where you're at, is potentially not starting Russ, but more importantly, not allowing him to close games. I don't think you can do it. I don't think you can close games with him in there. So, And look, Darvin Ham was brought in specifically to do that, right? He came in saying facts over feelings. He was brought in. He's got a four-year contract. Clearly, in any kind of disagreement between Russell Westbrook and Darvin Ham, Darvin Ham's going to win. He's got four years under contract. Russ has less than one now. Clock is ticking. He's a free agent in July. Darvin Ham's going to win that battle. So, you need to use that power. Darvin Ham was brought in with the idea that, hey, he's going to be able to rein in Russell Westbrook because what's Russ going to say? Darvin Ham's staying long-term. Russ is not. But you have to be able to be willing to do it. And so I think that's the next step. And if you still are having problems or if Russell Westbrook is not happy or if he's creating issues, then maybe you step into that territory where you say, you know what, we're done, just go home. But I don't think we're there quite yet. And look, you can make an argument that you are. You can. But I think the first step that needs to be taken is you remove him out of the closing lineups, period. Maybe you don't even start him. That's the next step. And here's the other thing. Right now, sending him home or using him sparingly off the bench, that doesn't do anything to change his trade value. Because his trade value around the NBA right now, it's solely as an expiring contract. That's not going to change whether he's on the bench, whether he's in the game. Nothing changes that. So that is kind of nice in a way because it gives you the freedom to do whatever it is that you need to do, knowing that you're not going to hurt your bargaining position with, with Russell Westbrook because he's only seen as an expiring contract around the league. Now, the upside, the positive side would have been if you bring in Russ and Darvin Ham finds success and find some way to integrate him into the rotation and things are looking good, maybe you get a team to give up a little bit more in a trade. But that's not the world that we're living in right now. That's not what has happened so far. And so that means that if you get to that point, you can indeed send him home without diminishing his trade value at all because his trade value has nothing to do with what he does on the basketball court. Coeb said, Ham is showing he's full of it with his talk about Russ. He's bending over backwards for Russ. If we had Hayward, PJ, and Kelly, we would have been up 2-1 to one and not 3-0. I, I knew we lost after Russ shot that shot. Well, you're not wrong in that I think it's pretty fair to say that if the Lakers did not have Russell Westbrook and in his place you had PJ Washington, Kelly Oubre, and Gordon Hayward, and I look, we're hearing Terry Rozier now, but if you had those three players, are you two and one? Yeah, I think that's pretty fair to say. If you had Miles Turner and Buddy Heald, are you two and one? Probably, right? Because you're probably not 21% shooting from three. If you have Buddy Heald and Miles Turner, if you have Gordon Hayward, PJ Washington, Kelly Oubre, you're probably not 21% from three. And so, yeah, I think it's fair to say they're two and one if they had made that trade. And this, this was the gamble. This was the gamble the Lakers took when they decided not to pull the trigger on a Russell Westbrook trade over the summer and instead wait to see if something better would come along. They were gambling that the team would be able to keep their head above water long enough for something better to come along. So far, 0-3, that doesn't look like the smart gamble, but it's still early. But so far, it's not looking good. 
Tobias said, can we talk about Nurkic turning around on AD, giving him the wide open three? That's just embarrassing. Uh, yeah, you're not wrong about that. That is a bit embarrassing for Anthony Davis. You do want to see him step up and take that shot with some confidence. The entire Lakers team, obviously, is not shooting well at all. In fact, they're shooting extremely poorly. I've talked about that a bunch uh, on this show. But Anthony Davis's ability to shoot the three is going to be important for this team. Uh, it's going to be something that eventually needs to come around. Right now, he's shooting 20% from three. Last season, he shot 18% from three. I've liked the confidence that he was shooting it with uh, in preseason, and he needs to get back to that. The Lake whole Lakers team needs to get back to that. It's almost like it's mental at this point where you can kind of see they as they're shooting it, they know how important it is that they make that shot, and they're not responding well to that pressure. Cliff said, Russ's body language, the player two before his jumper in the fourth, was awful. He got upset with AD for demanding the ball and threw his hands up when AD directed him to the corner through a fit mid play. I did notice that. And that was not great um, because what else are you going to do? Right? Like what? Are you, if you've got Russell Westbrook on the floor, and this has always been the problem with putting Russ on this team. If Russ is on the floor and LeBron is on the floor, you are always better off putting the ball in LeBron's hands. So what are you doing with Russ? Well, in this case, Anthony Davis was saying, Russ, go, go clear to the corner. And Russ wasn't happy with that, apparently. The body language didn't look good. Now, look, exactly what was going on in that moment, I don't know. We'd have to ask the players. But it did look like he wasn't thrilled with being taken off ball and being asked to go space in the corner, which is the shot Darvin Ham wants him taking. He's talked about it a bunch of times. Wants him to take those corner threes. I'm not going to say it's a problem because we don't know that. But if it became a problem, where Russ was no longer willing to do those things, that's when you probably do cross that bridge and you say, okay, well, we're going to send you home. Something to keep an eye on. But again, that's one play, one moment. I don't want to overreact to that and say that that's clear. Oh, clearly you have to send him home now. That's one moment. Let's see where it goes from here. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Timmy said, I'm not watching any more Lakers games till Russ is off this team. I'm done with bad coaching, bad shooting, low B-ball IQ to close the game. Look, if, that, if that's your decision, that's your decision. Obviously, I'm going to be watching the games. I know a lot of fans will, but I also understand if fans, if you get, you get so frustrated watching it that you just feel like you can't. I get it. Um, I'll say this, though. This team this year, they're playing defense at an elite level. Last year's team, and this is, I think, a lot of the frustration. It's carrying over from last year. Last year's team, at no point were they playing an elite level of anything, offense or defense. This year's team is competing on the defensive end of the floor. And again, if they were shooting anywhere near respectable, if they were shooting subpar from three, this team is two and one, and the whole narrative is different, and nobody's talking about Russ because they're talking about how good the Lakers' defense is and how it's allowing them to win games. That's the conversation right now if they're just shooting poorly from three, if they're shooting worst in the league from three based on last season's numbers right now, we're talking about this team being two and one and about how good their defense is and keeping them in games and how they've looked performing for Darvin Ham. Instead, they're so horrifically bad that now they're zero and three. So I would urge you to hang in there for a bit and see if this defense is for real because if it is i think eventually eventually some shots will start falling and eventually russ is going to be traded and maybe you can fill some holes that way james bell i'm not mad at this point i'm just waiting for them to trade him or send him home shaking my head feel numb feel numb inside yeah i mean after last season you i, I got that way too james i i did by the end, by last season, it was like the losses didn't hurt as much because 
you just kind of blocked it out. It just kind of became the norm. You became accustomed to it. What have we seen so far this year, this season? Six preseason games, they won one of them. Three regular season games, they've won none of them. So that means for Lakers fans, like myself, who have watched every single game of this new iteration of this team, you've seen one win in nine outings. That starts to get on you. Even in preseason, look, they're playing their third and fourth string guys and all that kind of, like that muddies the water, of course. But that starts to get to you. And so at some point, like right now, there is outrage among Lakers fans based on what happened in this Blazers game. At some point, that outrage won't be there. The fact that people are mad right now is actually a good thing. Yes, it's led to, as some former players and current players have noted, it's led to maybe a little bit too much focus on Russell Westbrook, a little bit too much animosity towards him. I think that's fair to say. But fans being mad, fans being upset, is better than fans not caring. It's better than fans not paying attention. It's better than fans having zero reaction because they've checked out and they're not even watching anymore. That's what the Lakers have to be careful of. Because at some point, after what fans went through last season, if things continue to go poorly, at some point fans will say, you know, I'm not putting myself through this. I'm not going to put myself through this night in and night out. Now, of course, I'll be here. I'll be here every single night. Diehards will be here. The Lakers will always have fans. But they got to start winning games. They have to give people a reason to care. And I think on the defensive end, they are. You look at what they're doing on defense and you say, okay, I can identify with that. This team is working hard. They are. But you've got to reinforce that belief. Just like you have to reinforce the work the Lakers are doing on the defensive end with wins so that you have a positive action coming from all the effort they're putting in. Fans watching and tuning in and believing in this team and supporting this team through all of the mess that it's been over the last year have to get rewarded with wins at some point. Have to. And that's something that's going to be important for Lakers fans, for the team. They've got to find a way to get some W's. It's tireless to still be discussing this obvious issue. Russ is awful. LeBron and Davis need shooters and defenders. Ownership and management suck. I mean, last year's team was poorly constructed. This year's team, the more I look at this year's team, I've been saying it since the summer, it's screaming for a trade. This year's team, I don't think was built with the idea that Russ was going to be on it. You really look at the moves that they made, the players that they signed, it doesn't make sense for Russell Westbrook to be on this team. I mean, heck, we know, right? We already heard that the Lakers signing Dennis Schroeder was something they were going to do after they traded Russ. They thought they were going to trade Russ this summer, and so they told Dennis Schroeder, look, we're going to sign you as soon as we trade Russ. Then suddenly other teams started coming around Dennis Schroeder, and the Lakers went, okay, well, we'll sign you anyway. I think Dennis Schroeder signed with the Lakers purely because he wants to make amends for what happened a couple of seasons ago, that that's what he's doing? Or maybe, just maybe, Dennis Schroeder signed with the Lakers because he knows that sooner or later Russell Westbrook will be traded, and then it's nothing but opportunity for him. This team is not set up for us to be on the roster. It's not. So, yeah, LeBron and Anthony Davis need shooters. Yeah, they need defenders. Management, ownership, whatever, the front office kind of made a mess of things. But I also understand why they're trying to tread so carefully. They get one shot at this. They have to get it right. And if they aren't 100% sure that this is the right move, they could really mess things up for the future. This move, this Russell Westbrook trade has to go right. Has to. It's a lot of pressure when they're making this move. Jay Saul said, do you guys think it's possible Coach Ham was given 10 games to prove that he can make Russ work in the fourth? Only reason I can imagine he's playing with the lineup that he has. I don't think so. I mean, look, Darvin tried to give the excuse that he was looking for another perimeter defender. That's why he went to Russell Westbrook. Well, that's not really what Russ has been known as, but credit to Russ. He's been playing good defensively. Been playing well. 
on that end of the floor. So I can understand that the offensive implosion was very noticeable as soon as he came into the game. I don't think it's anything where Darvin Ham said, hey, I need 10 games to figure things out with Russ. After that, you guys make whatever move you're going to. Give me a chance to prove it. Maybe, but it feels far-fetched to me that that would be the case. Reginald said the head coach's job is not a popularity contest. Agreed. I thought the team would be much more disciplined under Ham. Russ shoots far too much. Lonnie's not a shooter, but jacks them up at will. LeBron jacks them up at will. Austin Reeves can shoot, but won't. I mean, look, there, there's messiness on the offensive end. We know they focused on defense coming out of training camp. That was what they worked on the most. I think that's evident when you see them on the floor. I do agree that Russ is taking shots that he shouldn't. My hope was that that was going to be curtailed under Darvin Ham, that he was going to be able to get through to Russ and not allow him to take these jump shots and things like that anymore. It's still happening. Uh, I think Lonnie, the Lakers kind of need Lonnie to be aggressive and score because otherwise you, you can't just get by on LeBron and Anthony Davis scoring all of your points. It's not going to work. You need somebody else. And Lonnie, frankly, has been a pleasant surprise. He's been better than I expected, and he's probably been the next best guy. LeBron, AD, and Lonnie have probably been the best players so far. So I'm not going to criticize Lonnie too much. I think they need him to continue to be aggressive there. Uh, Austin Reeves, look, Austin's talked about, he talked about this with me, that he sees himself as a point guard in the future. And so I think, to me, he's looking to pass a little bit too much. I would also like to see him be a little bit more aggressive looking for his shot. But I also understand, because he's got really good vision, why he's doing what he's doing. But I would like to see him be a bit more aggressive looking to get his own shot. Uh, Mark said, the worse Russ gets, the worse his value becomes. I don't agree. I think his value is what it is now because it's just as an expiring contract. His play on the court, not going to change that. You can argue maybe the Lakers get more desperate as they lose more games. And so that impacts value, uh, impacts leverage other teams have. But I don't think Russ's value changes. Uh, the harder a trade gets to make, that could be, again, as teams try to exert that pressure on the Lakers, this team is being killed by front office incompetence. Um, again, they had opportunities to trade Russ over the summer. They decided it wasn't worth the price to trade him. And the gamble that they took was that Darvin Ham would at least allow the team to keep their head above water. Jeannie said multiple times that when teams, when she was asked about, well, the Lakers didn't have a main free agent acquisition. They didn't have a big move in the summer. She keeps saying Darvin Ham was our big move. Darvin Ham's going to change things. I think there was hope that Darvin coming in would get this team to play at a level that was going to allow them to stay afloat until something came along for Russ. And then that move would catapult them into contention. Ideally that was the plan uh, has not worked. It's gone the other way. And it's hard not to look now and say, well, clearly you should have traded him because he's not helping you on the floor. And this is super awkward. All the guys are being asked about Russ. Look, LeBron, LeBron in his post game after the Blazers game was asked a question about whether or not theoretically you want to take a two for one in the situation where Russ took a two for one and LeBron couldn't answer the question. That's, that's really what it came down to. He could not answer the question without it coming across like he was taking a shot at Russell Westbrook because he knows the answer is no, you don't take a two for one in that situation. So he couldn't say yes, you, that you do because that's just not true. And he couldn't say no, because if he did, then that was going to get used as an anti-Russ quote. And so LeBron just didn't answer the question. I, I'm sure he's tired of being asked about Russ. I'm sure other players are tired of being asked about Russ. I'm sure the Lakers are tired of the constant story being about Russ, but he's the one trade chip that they've got that they can use. He's the one contract they can use in a deal. He's the biggest question mark about how you get him to fit. He's their big trade from two summers ago that obviously has not worked. He's going to dominate the conversation until he's not a Laker anymore. And that's part of the downside of making the decision that you're going to gamble and see how things play out this season rather than pay the price to trade him over the summer. That's what the Lakers gambled so far. It hasn't gone the way they hoped it would. Jason says, based off the three first games, do you think Rob will wait 20 games to make a move? I don't um, because I think things are, things have gotten pretty bad, right? Things have looked bad. I think if the opportunity is there, they've got to consider doing something sooner rather than later. Because 20 games, 25 games in the Western Conference, 
Now, look, if, if they start winning some games, that changes this. But that many games, if you are losing, you can put yourself in a position where you can't dig your way out. The West is going to be tough this year. It's going to be really tough. And you can put yourself in a spot where you can't dig your way out. I think as the Lakers lose games, the pressure is just going to mount to do something. To do something. And look, I look at this. I look at the Lakers against the Clippers. I look at the Lakers against the Blazers. If I'm Rob Palenka, you're watching a team that is so close. They're drowning right now, but they're so close to the edge of that pool. They're right there. Just they, They're so close, they can almost grab it. How can you not reach in and give them that little extra boost to safety? How difficult is it to watch this team struggle on the offensive end, seeing how hard they're working on the defensive end? It's heartbreaking to see them work that hard and just not be able to get over the hump and actually save themselves by winning these games. That's where, as the GM, you have a hard time. I'd have to imagine you would have a hard time not pulling a trade and saying, here's Here's what you need. Here are the pieces that you need so that all your effort, all this struggle pays off with a win. And again, I blame the shooting more than I blame Russ. But Russ is part of the problem and his contract is about all you can use as a solution. So I think a trade is going to happen sooner rather than later unless they start winning games. They start winning games, that buys the Lakers time to wait and see if a more preferable trade becomes available. <laughs> see, this is what, what we're talking about. Like Jordan says, Russ is the worst player to touch a basketball. That's hyperbole, obviously not true. And that's where people like, like Jamal Crawford who are saying Russ is getting blamed for everything the Lakers are doing. It's, it's stuff like that that is leading to that type of a, backlash to the backlash right that's just that's just not true it's not it's not true that russ is to blame for everything he's part of the problem he's not the problem dw says i really enjoy watching this team so far their defensive aggression is all i asked for last year and i credit pat bev and ham it's okay guys all right a little positivity there talking about the team's defense about the aggressiveness all of that um, I got to say this team's been frustrating to watch on the offensive end, but defensively, there have been a few plays each game where I've said, wow, that was that was excellent. That rotation they just made, fantastic. We'll see if that continues moving forward. Three games, not a huge sample size, but fingers crossed that this defense does continue. Andrew Potter, Lakers have three first-round picks, 23 pick, 24 or 25, and the 26 pick, plus five second-round picks prior to the 2027 draft. By then, we would have had ample opportunity to draft young talent. Rob, trade the picks. I think that is important to note because people look at the Lakers and they say, well, the only picks they have is the 2027 and 2029 picks. It's not true. It's not true. Those are the only picks they have they can use in a trade. But in terms of replenishing your roster with young talent, the Lakers have a draft pick this summer. It'll either be the Pelicans pick or their pick. Right now, it's looking more likely like that it's going to be the Pelicans pick. Uh, and the Pelicans will take the Lakers pick. Hopefully the Lakers don't give them a lottery pick. That's you want to win games this season. Don't want to give the Pelicans more assets in the Anthony Davis trade. They get either the 2024 or 2025 pick. The Pelicans get to pick one of those to take. You can't take both. So you're going to get a pick in that year. One of those years, the 2026 pick, you get a pick that year. So you do have opportunities to replenish some of your young talent. But again, in terms of tradable assets, Pieces that you can actually move, once you use those picks, you're kind of stuck for a while. The 2027 and 2029 picks, you're stuck for a while. And so you have to be sure that you're using them in the right way and that you're making a move that's going to really help out this roster. I don't think it's about the young talent. I think it's about wanting to be careful that you don't put yourself in a spot where you're really, truly, totally stuck. Because that's what's coming after they use those picks. Uh, Wilson says, hey, Ham, what happened to facts over feelings? That's what he came in saying. And yet we still saw Russ in the game to close out the fourth. He did pull him with what, like 12 seconds left or something. That's too little, too late. I would be surprised if we see him close out games from here on out. 
And if he does, I'm sure fans will have plenty to say about that. And rightfully so. Martin says, if him wants to be taken seriously, he needs to bench Russ from now on. Greetings from Germany. At least I didn't have to wake up early for this one. That was that was one of the benefits. Unfortunately, you had to watch a losing game, but that was one of the benefits of the early start time, 1230 Pacific time for that game, was that fans uh, in other parts of the world, depending on where they are, it may have been on at a better time for them to actually catch the game instead of some of them games are on in the middle of the night. So at least you got the earlier game, but I agree. Darvin Ham, you got to bench Russ in crunch time. I don't think you have to bench him entirely, but in crunch time, he needs to be on the bench. T2 runner, I know about Russ, but the team as a whole is shooting terribly. The criticism needs to be shared equally from top down. Unless I'm crazy, but it seemed like LeBron took an ill-advised three at the end also. Uh, True. Again, that's kind of been my main focal point of this show has been that it's not just Russ. The team shooting has been bad. LeBron did take a few shots, uh, some heat check shots that were not great. LeBron made some mistakes in this game. The whole team is shooting poorly. And once again, if they were not, if they, well, the team is shooting ridiculously poorly, but if they were just shooting poorly, they would be two and one right now. This whole conversation would be totally different. That stuff matters. That definitely matters. All right, let's do one more. Riley said they switched Nurkic onto Russ. We are paying him $47 million to not be usable in the fourth quarter or important games. It doesn't work. Yeah, that's part of this too. Is that when you're looking at building out your roster, when you're looking at at your asset allocation, you're taking $47 million in salary and your return on it is zero right now. You're not getting anything on the court. It may be even just getting negative on the court. And so that $47 million that you spent, that really should be used on two or three players that are wings with size that can shoot, that are guys like Kyle Kuzma, that are guys like Alex Caruso, KCP. And I know, look, we talked about moving those guys, but that's what you need to be spending that money on. That's the problem. When you look at this roster, it's missing those guys because that money is going to, it's missing that type of player because that money is going to Russ and you're getting nothing in return. Now you're not getting nothing. He's played well defensively, but you're not getting anywhere near the bang for your buck. If Russell Westbrook was making $5 million, this conversation is so different. A big part of the problem Lakers fans have with Russ, it's what his contract prevents you from doing with the rest of your roster. So yes, it doesn't work. And it's why you need a trade. It's why it didn't make sense in the first place to trade for Russell Westbrook to fill a role that you shouldn't be spending $47 million to fill. Do you need another player who can handle the basketball to take some of that burden off of LeBron? Yes, but you need a game manager. You need somebody who can play on or off ball, who can occasionally hit a three and isn't going to make mistakes and can start the offense. That's what you need. You need a player that fits a 5 million, 6 million taxpayer mid-level to full mid-level exception. A 6 to $10 million player, maybe 11, to fill that role. That's what you need. The Lakers went and got somebody to fill that role who, number one, doesn't really fill that role because he doesn't hit threes, hasn't defended a high level. Again, give him credit for what he's done this season. Has been much better there. But they found a guy who cost $47 million to only kind of sort of do the thing that realistically you should be paying $6 million for. Maybe eleven Tops. You need a veteran game manager point guard to do these things. And the Lakers went and got Russell Westbrook. That's why the roster is the way it is right now. That's why these problems are the way they are. It's also why so much of the attention gets focused on Russ and he gets turned into a scapegoat. It's not his fault that he makes $47 million. His contract is what it is. People offered him to pay that. And he said, thank you. Anybody would. But that's but part of the frustration that fans have with him is the contract and it gets all swirled together and placed on him. And it leads to the frustration that Lakers fans have with Russ. 
All right. I do have more of these to get through, but I'll add them into tomorrow's show. I appreciate you guys for joining me. Next show, we're going to preview a little bit of the Lakers matchup with the Denver Nuggets, which is coming up on Wednesday. Make sure you are subscribing to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Turn on those notification bells. And don't forget to follow us over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Till next time, everybody. See ya and stay safe. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried and true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.